take a moment uh, before we get into the truth of the Lord's Word to pray that God might bless His Word to us this morning. Heavenly Father, no doubt uh, many prayers have gone up already that Your Word may be a blessing to this fellowship and that Your Word may be a blessing this day in other places around the world so that while we dwell on your holiness, we might too live in a holy manner, uh, to live a different life, to have our faith where it belongs, focused on the holiness of our God, your greatness, your goodness, your grace to us, by the blessing of your Spirit. May you use your word this day again for that end in our lives, and that you might accomplish sovereignly what you intend to do with your word today. And may we take comfort and joy that you will accomplish those very things. If we hear your word and receive receive it and apply it to our lives, we'd ask that you hear us in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, my friends, we're going to be taking a look at John chapter 10, reading verses 22 to 30. Uh, And when you think John 10, no doubt you think about that as a passage that's dealing with Jesus declaring himself in one of those I am's that you find in John, uh, being the good shepherd that he is. And you'd be right, and we are considering how he has that relationship with us and with his church, his flock, the church of Jesus Christ. And we focus our attention on that in our creed this morning as we look at Lord's Day 21, question 54, in the back of the blue hymnals, it's page 27, where it speaks to us about what it is that we believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church. And it's in that, with that truth in mind, uh, that we turn to the Word of God, first of all, to John chapter 10, verses 22 to 30, and read this portion of God's Word there. John chapter 10, 22 through 30. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We thank the Lord for that portion of his word. We want to take a moment to respond to it by looking at Lord's Day 21, question 54, where it uh, speaks to us again about the Holy Catholic Church. The question again is, what do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? And the answer that's given is, I believe that the Son of God through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, 
reserved for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. God bless our time as we rally around his word this morning. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's hard to imagine a, a president without a country or a company that has a boss without workers alongside or, or a manager of a ball club without players or a herdsman without his herd. When we confess our salvation in Jesus Christ, it's equally difficult, indeed impossible, to speak about a Savior without his saved, or a shepherd without his sheep, a vine without his branches, a head without his body and its members. And the Christian is not devoid of that kind of confession. It's that's why he's not only confessing the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the, the Christian is also acknowledging the Holy Catholic Church of Christ. A Christian confession of the church can be a very rich one indeed. The time we could actually spend focusing our attention on the truths about Christ's church could be a long time. But this morning, we're just going to focus on specific scriptural confessions, and, and especially in the first point, because the second point that we're looking at, we get to drive into, we get to delve into more when we're looking at our calling to confess as Christians about the, what we're supposed to be uh, confessing, about the communion of the saints. That gets more into that personal element, which is the second portion of our of our message today, but the first portion where we, we're going to dwell mostly is dealing with the corporate element of what we're talking about when, when we're dealing with our faith regarding the Church of Christ. There's a corporate element, there's a personal element, there's an individual element that way, but those are the points that we're going to be considering, especially as we begin our message this morning, the corporate element. And as we look at that, there's, there's three things especially that I hope to be able to dwell on, is that uh, the corporate element is, is one which speaks against the individualistic spirit of humanity, uh, but it also speaks to us about uh, what Christ has, uh, what, how Christ is the one that, that brings that corporate element of the church into uh, manifestation, into realization, uh, but it's also something that is, as we make that corporate confession and consider that corporate element, we recognize that the church is, is something that spans uh, the time and space that, that the Lord has created. And, and those are things so that we're, that we're going to focus on if we think about the corporate element. Uh, the corporate element is, is an important point to make, uh, especially when we consider... As, we, as I mentioned, we're going to, we see how it, it speaks in, counter, in, a, in a counter way uh, to the individualistic spirit of humanity. And, and we're tempted to, 
it's not that we aren't individuals, but we want to be careful about the individualistic spirit uh, that can so often predominate in people's hearts and, and is tempted to be the, the, the prevalence in the church at times. You know, when people speak about the, the individualistic spirit, they're speaking about how they don't really care, they don't really think about uh, what they do having an impact on anybody else. That there's no consequences to what they do. That they somehow live in a vacuum, as it were, when it comes to what they do. That they're not anybody's role model. That they're not those who are that, that need to be exemplary that way. They, they like to say, uh, what I do is my business, nobody else's. Uh, I'm an island to myself. I'm the captain of my own ship. I'm not accountable to anybody, and if possible... Uh, uh, not only am I not a, a accountable to anybody, uh, there's no one for whom I really need to care. I don't need to be my brother's keeper. Just leave me alone. If, if that individualistic spirit, uh, the, the confession in a nutshell can easily be just, just leave me alone. I, I, I just live as a free agent in the world and I do what I want. And that mentality creeps into one's view of religion and church as well. What I do between me and my Lord is nobody else's business but ours. Religion is a, a private affair. And, and who, who are you to uh, try to encroach on my religion or my morality or, or my authority that I have that you don't have over me? Spiritual free agency's appeal is, is one where our morality and religion become so super-relative that the ideal would seem to be that religion is whatever you, as an individual, make of it. But that kind of an extreme individualistic mentality is a foreign concept to Scripture, and a foreign concept, therefore, to God and His Christ. The reason that many people, after all, chafe at the idea that Adam's original sin becomes ours stems from a failure to appreciate the corporate nature of humanity that's taught by Scripture and established by God. And the same problem that people have with one's connection in Adam in sin is the same problem that people have in the corporate nature of Christ and His saving righteousness. Christ the Savior who accomplishes righteousness for me so that I might be right with God in Him, that's an offense to many. How can what God did, or Christ did, be accounted to me? I didn't do it. He did. And yet it, be, it is because we find ourselves connected to Christ by grace and through faith, on that corporate level that allows us not only to admire Christ's righteousness, but also to rejoice in our salvation because we're connected through faith into that very righteousness uh, by grace in Christ. And His becomes ours. And when we fail to see that corporate connection to Christ, that's certainly one reason that people fail then, you see. And it shouldn't be surprising 
to see the corporate nature of the church of Jesus Christ. When one's connected, after all, corporately to Christ and His righteousness, you discover that one is not only is not the only one that's connected that way. It's not, after all, uh, Jesus the Good Shepherd without any sheep. It's not Jesus the Good Shepherd with His one sheep. It's the Good Shepherd and His flock. The shepherd's not without his sheep. He wouldn't be a shepherd otherwise. The shepherd's not without his sheep, lest he not be a shepherd. And he's not a shepherd who doesn't call his sheep, doesn't gather his sheep to himself. He's not a shepherd who doesn't gather his sheep any more than a shepherd who doesn't preserve and protect his sheep. As our passage speaks of. That's part and parcel of the corporate nature of the church of Jesus Christ that exists. And it's always existed. And it will always exist because the Son of God, from the very beginning of time to the close of this age, is doing what we confess. He's calling. He's gathering. He's protecting. He's preserving for himself a people. Not a shepherd without sheep or with only a soul sheep, but a shepherd with his flock that's known as the church of Jesus Christ. And that corporate element of the church is a good thing. And it's worthy of our confession that. Because some would, would want to say, well, why do you even mention anything about the church in your confession? Because the church isn't perfect. Everything else that we've said about in our Christian confession is about the perfection, but the uniqueness of God. It's about His goodness and His grace, His greatness. And then we get to the church, and we're tempted to look at that and say, well, but the church isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's not perfect. And all of, all that any of us have to do who are part of that church to be reminded of that is not to look at others. All you got to do is look at yourself in the mirror. All I got to do is look at myself in the mirror. I don't have to look at somebody else to discover that the church isn't perfect. It's, it's what I want to do, right? I, I want to do that, first of all. Well, the church is not what it ought to be because of whatever's out there. And that takes the, that takes the attention off of me. But I don't have to look out there to discover that. It's easy to do. Because we know that nobody else is perfect either in the church. But we can do just fine just looking at ourselves. 
And of course, that, that reflection on our self-imperfection then teaches us that we've got enough on our own uh, on a daily basis to concentrate on. Right? So that we can be less of the problem and more of the solution to the imperfections of the church. Kind of like what goes on in the world a lot of times, right? Everybody just loves to show off how everybody else thinks. Because that takes your nose away from them. So you don't have to smell them. And they don't have to smell themselves. But just because the church <laughs> just because the church is imperfect doesn't mean that the church is not a good thing. We confess it is. And just because the church is imperfect doesn't mean that we should ignore it. That's, again, that's, that's the easy thing to do, right? Well, the church is just full of hypocrites. The church is just full of people that are, are, are not everything we want them to be. They disappoint us. And it's, let's just deny the church. Let's avoid the church. Let's begrudge the church. No, the church is still a good thing, and, and, and the church is a good thing worthy of our confessional acknowledgement, not first of all because its sheep are so good, but the shepherd who's gathering his flock to himself and preserving them and protecting them, he's good. Christians confess then the corporate element of the church and does so in a counteraction to the individualistic spirit that's out there. But also, when he makes that confession, when the Christian makes that confession, it's one in which he recognizes how the church of Jesus Christ spans time and space, spans the globe and spans the ages. I believe a holy Catholic church, we don't mean by that that such a church is Roman Catholic, the Catholic simply means or can simply mean universal. And we make the confession that the church is gathered from the whole human race. That was a promise to the first parents of the human race way back in Genesis 3. That promise of the gospel continues to go forth today. And, and that tells us two things. The church, based on the gospel promise, has always been in existence in terms of time. We, we can talk about the church in terms of the Old Testament manifestations of the church, uh, like the bud of the flower, and then speak about the church in terms of the New Testament manifestation uh, of it, like the full blossom of the flower. But Old Testament and New Testament, as long as there's been gospel, so long as there's been the church. And as long as there is gospel, there is the church. And there is inseparable, it's the Son of God and the church and the sheep and the shepherd. Where there is the shepherd, 
where there is the Son of God. There's also his church. There are also the sheep who hear his voice. The passage that's before us is just one passage among many which shows to us that the shepherd and the sheep, the Savior and, and the saved, the vine and the branches, the head and the body are a package. And as Christians, it makes no sense to confess our trust in Christ then without at the same time acknowledging the church that exists, that exists in a way that spans the test of time, that, that spans the ages, that spans the spaces by the gathering, the protecting, and preserving of the shepherd of the sheep, Christ the Son of God himself. And our passage shows that that's exactly what Christ does. There's these people there who are looking for further proof that Jesus is truly promised, the one that's promised in the Old Testament to redeem his people. Tell us plainly, they said. And Jesus responds that the reason that some have not been convinced that he is the Christ, it's not just that they... They've got a different idea who the, the Messiah was supposed to be, and, it, and it's certainly not because he hasn't been clear in his word. He says, I told you plainly. And in fact, I showed you in deeds as well as to who, I'm, who I am and what I've come to accomplish. But he says, it's because you're, not, you're just simply not part of the flock that he gathers, protects, and preserves. Those who are his sheep will hear his voice. And they'll come to him by his spirit, not to worry about that. But not only that, nobody's going to be able to snatch these from him. So strong is this Savior. So strong is the Heavenly Father of the Savior. Now, there, there, there are always those who will reject the gospel. I always say that, I guess, I guess because I get older and I, I sense that all the time, all the more, right? You know, you, you preach or you teach or you, uh, you spend time with people and you share the gospel. And you, and you do that, too, you know, when you're with your, you know, your friends, your family, your loved ones, and, you, you know, you... you point out clearly the importance of Christ and all that. And then people still reject it. You know, that's always going to happen. It happened in Jesus' day. I mean, he's the word made flesh, and there he was. And, and yet people reject him, even with everything that he showed so clearly. But, but the shepherd is never without his sheep. They are those who will unite themselves to him and to others with a common and a, and a true faith. They'll be comprised of, of people of all kinds of tribes and kindreds. And he's never going to let anyone take them from him. Nothing's going to separate them from his love. And they are not then sheep that are left to themselves, you see, because he's gathering them. 
the church is who it is because of Christ and what he's doing. You know, it speaks against the individualistic spirit. It spans the test of time and space. But, but it's also a product of Christ gathering and preserving and protecting. They're not sheep that are left to themselves because that's what they used to be. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've each turned to his own way. And Jesus doesn't come to us then and say, well, okay, I'm going to save you, and now why don't you just keep going your own way? Is that what he does? He doesn't say to us, I'm going to go save you. Now, ignore and avoid the church of Christ at all costs. Oh, Jesus comes to solve that problem. Because the sheep were scattered. There was this diaspora. You can go all the way back to the Tower of Babel and you see the scattering that took place. Jesus has come to, to gather. That's what he's busy doing. He's busy gathering his people back together. And by grace, by his grace, he doesn't leave them alone. Not apart from him and not apart from each other. It just doesn't make sense to confess Christ and then say, but, but I, I don't want to be part of his fellowship. And that happens a lot. You know, elders deal with that all the time. Come, you're not part of the fellowship. I confess Christ. Yeah, but he didn't save you so that you could be apart. Saved you so that you could be together with him and his people. It's a beautiful picture that we have in our confession of the church of Jesus Christ. We're not confessing our faith in the church. There are those who, who do that, and some people want to are tempted to do that. They, they, they believe in their church. That's idolatry. Because we're to trust in the, the infallible God of our salvation, not the fallible church in which we find ourselves on this side of glory. But the church is indeed corporate in its nature. It's gathered from all times, from all peoples, unto a united faith, preserved by the one God and his son, Jesus Christ, who alone builds his church, but builds it, he does, with members with stones, with branches, with sheep who hear his voice and come to him, not scattered, gathered. But if that's the case, that the church is corporate in that way, we're not only supposed to acknowledge that there's such a corporate church, but then briefly we look this morning, because again, we're going to see more about that when we talk about the communion of the saints, we're also supposed to be part of it as individuals. And that kind of just follows a little bit about what we've been saying. We're not saved by the church. We're not saved that way, but, but we're saved by Christ, 
when we confess the Holy Catholic Church, we're also confessing our part in it. It's part of the sheep that hear his voice, and of that church, I am forever a living, that community, I am and always will be a living member. Again, because the shepherd, when he's calling his sheep, is gathering his sheep. He's gathering them to be part of the church of, of Jesus Christ. And so part of belonging to Christ, then, is also belonging to his people. If he's our head, then we're part of the body with the other parts of the body. If he's our shepherd, we're part of his flock, which means we coexist with the other sheep. If we're part of the vine, we're not the only branch. We're one of the branches. If we rest on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then we're not the only stone that's resting on his holy foundation. We're resting with, with other stones on that foundation. And so we have to sit there and ask ourselves if Christianity really means anything to us. It really does. Then when we're acknowledging the church and its corporate element, we also are recognizing the individual element of the church. There is no church without its member. Or without its branches or stones or its sheep. I mean, what would happen... If every person who said that they were a Christian were to say, yeah, uh, but, but I'm, I'm going to be a member of the church of Jesus. Uh, I'm not going to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ. What if every person said that? Every single person. Well, they'd be betraying that, that they're not the sheep of the shepherd. There wouldn't be a flock. John would say to us, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We're connected to Christ, we're connected to one another. We walk in the light. We make the confession that when it comes to the corporate church, we are living members. We're living members as those who have heard the voice of the shepherd, whereby we find our eternal life and whereby we find ourselves alive in his body, in the vine, and we're fed and sustained by the green pastures and living waters he feeds to those who hear and appreciate this shepherd's voice. And we couldn't imagine, could we? That we could say that we work for our boss and are yet not part of the company. And we couldn't imagine saying, well, I'm going to listen to my coach, but, but I'm not part of the ball club. I'm going to listen to my director, but I'm not part of the band. Or to say, well, the governor of Iowa is my governor, but I live in South Dakota. And who would grab somebody else's arm and say, well, that, that's my arm. But it belongs to somebody else's body. No, that arm belongs to the body and the head to which it's attached. It can't be any other way. So when I confess Christ, 
I don't just confess that he saved me, but that he's gathered me from my scattered way of life. My leave me alone way of life. I belong to his body, his communion, his communion of saints, his community of, of believers. And I'm, and I'm proud to say that. I'm going to confess that publicly. That's how much it means to me. Well, that all leads us to the communion of the saints that we hope to talk about at another time. But Christ's sheep don't deny the church. They're living parts of it. And that's part of the remarkable work of Jesus Christ who builds his church, gathers her, protects her, preserves her in the eternal life that he gives her by his word and spirit. He doesn't save us to leave us alone. He saves us to belong to him and to be part of his living church of all peoples and all ages for our benefit and blessing and for the benefit and blessing of others. And so that's why we're called not just to profess that he's our God, but that we're his people, the flock under his care. And that's part of and that part is why we're called to profess the Holy Catholic Church of Christ. May we, may we always do so with a thankful heart. Amen. Let's respond in prayer. Father, we ask that your word that we receive may be of a blessing to us as we consider our calling to confess our trust in you and your Son and Spirit uniquely but then also to acknowledge that when we confess you, we're part of your flock, we're part of your vine, we're part of the, the, the edifice that Jesus Christ has built and is building and is gathering and preserving and protecting. And so that we might live the Christian life out to the full, proudly professing you, but acknowledging proudly the church of Jesus Christ. Not because the church is always so great, but the person who gathers it, protects it, preserves it, is truly great. And so may you accept our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll sing 398 as our song.